Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, our executive pastor, David Hardy, brings us a message on Brookwood's financial plan for the next year. If you want to watch this video message or listen to this week's worship set, just go to our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or on our Brookwood Church app. We pray this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. Thank you, worship leaders, and thank you all for being here. Feel free to have a seat. Isn't it good to see some new faces on the stage here today? Yes, we always like having new faces. And uh, it's good to see some new faces out there. And I also thank you to all of you who are attending online as well. Appreciate all of you being here. Uh, My name's David Hardy, and today I wanna propose the atmosphere that we'd like to promote that can help you overcome whatever you are facing today. And today I'm also gonna propose the aim of our ministry plan for the new church year that begins October 1st. But uh, most of our time we'll spend talking about the atmosphere that we believe God wants to promote uh, here at Brookwood. If you're watching online and you'd like to follow an outline of the message, you can uh, click on resources uh, at the top of the uh, screen there, or if you're on YouTube, you can go to brookwoodchurch.org resources. Or if you're here on site and you want to follow the outline, you can use the Brookwood Church app on your phone, tap on message resources, and then outline, and you can follow the outline, see the verses we'll be using, or of course, we'll have the verses on the screen today. I'm not sure what your personal experience has been over the last uh, few months, Uh, but there have certainly been some challenges, uh, both in our culture uh, and in our churches. We've either experienced or we've heard of people experiencing anxiety, depression, fear, frustration, a lack of funds, Uh, many have lost loved ones. There's a renewed recognition of racism around us. Um, We've experienced uncertainty about the future, uncertainty about this virus that's going around. Many things to overcome. But even though the conditions around us may be chaotic, uh, may be out of our control, of course they're always out of our control, but uh, may be more obvious right now, Even though things are out of our control, we can still experience peace in the midst of all that. And we can overcome those conditions that we face and even foster an atmosphere of peace. So let me suggest today that we can overcome whatever. You fill in the blank for yourself. We can overcome whatever by promoting peace. So what do you need today to overcome in order to experience peace? What do you need God to overcome so that you may have peace? Do you fill in that blank? Do you need to overcome anxiety or frustration or conflict or racism or uncertainty? What is it for you? We need God to work in all those ways, but I want to talk some today about what we can do to appropriate God's work 
in our lives and in our church to promote an atmosphere of peace. Romans 12:18 says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So this verse implies at least three things. One implication is that we can have peace with those around us, or we can at least take steps to experience peace with other people. We can take steps to overcome conflict, to overcome division among us. We can do something to be at peace with others. A second implication is that we can have peace within ourselves as we live with everyone around us. As you know, not everyone around you always fosters peace. Now, don't look at anybody beside you. Sometimes people in our lives can cause us to not have a feeling of peace. But we can still have peace within ourselves despite that. A third implication of this verse is that there is something we can do. The verse says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Some versions say, as much as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. Because we know that we can't control other people and how they may react to us. But as much as it depends on you, as much as it depends on me, do what you can to live in peace with others. So what can we do? That's what I want to talk about some. What can we do to live in peace with others? So I'm going to use the word peace today as an acrostic to suggest some things that we can do to overcome whatever by promoting peace. And so first is the P. P stands for pray. Pray first. Pray first. Someone sent me a devotional several weeks ago. Actually, it was Eugene that uh, sent me a devotional that had these words in it. It said, seek God before seeking a solution. Actually, I think I've paraphrased that a little bit. Seek God before seeking a solution. Before you seek a solution, to what's going on around you, seek God. Why would I do that? Well, it's the first step to experiencing peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So in the midst of that situation that you want to overcome, pray first. Seek God first. Well, what do I pray? How do I pray? If praying is something that's new to you, there's a simple guide in this passage for some things you can do to pray. First, tell God what you need. Just tell God what you need. That's probably the first inclination many of us have when we think of praying is tell God what you need. So let's practice that right now. Just in your mind, tell God what you need right now. Take a moment to do that. So the first step of prayer is just tell God what you need. And then second... It says, thank him for what he has done. 
Thank him for what he's done. So let's take a moment to do that. Just in your mind, thank God for something he's done for you. Now, I would suggest that that's a great first step toward peace. But I also realize from experience and from talking with many people, sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. We don't know what we need. We don't know what to thank God for. And in that situation, I would say, just ask God. God, put in my mind what you think I need. God, put in my mind what I should thank you for. And some people might say, well, what if I don't sense anything? What if, I, what if I just don't sense God being there or God speaking to me? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus said, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Not so much so that God will answer because you've been so persistent, it's probably more so, as I keep on going back to Jesus, I'll begin to sense his presence. I'll begin to sense what he's saying to me. Praying's a way we communicate with God. It's a, it's a key to experiencing God's peace. So keep going back to Jesus. He's the only one who can truly give us peace. So first step to promote peace is to pray first. Then second, the E is engage and empathize with someone. Engage and empathize with someone. If we're gonna be at peace with others around us, we need to engage in conversation with someone. We need to get to know some other people around us. And I would suggest engage someone who may be a little different than you. Engage someone whose skin color is different than you. Engage someone whose background is different from yours. Engage someone whose opinion is different from yours. And when you engage, when you talk with somebody, try to empathize. What do I mean by empathize? Seek to understand their perspective. Seek to feel what they are feeling. You know, often when we are in a conversation, we want to Tell people what we want them to know. I want to make sure you understand my opinion and I get across what I want to get across to you. But empathy is the, is the other side of that. Empathy is trying to see what is this other person's perspective? What is this other person feeling? How can I learn what they're experiencing? Try to feel what they're feeling, even if you disagree. And I would say, especially if you disagree. Try to get their perspective. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I read a devotional this summer, I think it was from Rick Warren, that talked about living in harmony. Now, harmony is something we experience when we hear the folks singing on stage on Sunday morning, and hopefully we experience it out here as well. Harmony is a musical term that describes when different notes are being played or sung in order to bring out some beautiful music. We each bring a different note, a different sound, different gifts 
to this church body, uh, to the body of Christ. And we don't all have to sing the same note to experience harmony. In fact, we have to sing different notes in order to experience harmony. Of course, we could all be singing different notes and it sound like a bunch of noise. Harmony uh, means that the notes are arranged so that there's beautiful music when we sing together. So what's the key to singing in harmony? The key is to sing the note that the director or the maestro assigned to you. Sing the note under the leadership of the master who's guiding the music. And so similar as a body of Christ, share what God has put inside of you. It may be unique, different from what God has put inside of others. Your opinion, the thing you have to share, your gifts may be unique, but as you share those, God puts those together in a church body, in a church family, so that there's harmony, not only peace, but there's a purpose that comes from that. So how do I live in harmony with others? First, like we said, engage someone, especially somebody different from you, so God can bring harmony out of our differences. Empathize. Don't think you know it all. See what you can learn from that other person you're engaging. See what you can get from their perspective. And then one more thing I can do, Romans 14, 19 says, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Part of getting harmony with each other is looking for what can I affirm in you? What can I affirm in this other person? How can I build you up? That can help us experience harmony and peace. So ask God. God, show me someone I can talk with who has a different background or different opinion than me. Get to know them. Seek what you can learn. Find a way to affirm them. We are blessed to have a church where there are black people, white people, people from a Hispanic background, Portuguese background, people who speak sign language, people from Central and South America, people from Europe, from the Middle East, from Asia, from India, and more countries. We are a diverse group of people. Engage someone different than you. And a great place to find those people, whether you're coming on site or whether you're online, is to become a part of a small group. This time of year, though it's a weird time for us, this time of year is a great time to become a part of a small group. Our, our ministry spotlight features adult discipleship today. They can link you with a group. Our family ministry can link children and students with groups. Engage someone different than you. And when we engage others, if we just rely on our own opinions for guidance, it may be difficult to achieve harmony. So remember to follow the lead of the master. So how can we do that? We follow the lead of the master by doing the A, Apply the Bible. The A in peace is apply the Bible. Explore and apply what God says to any situation so you may experience his peace. Jesus said in John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. 
The things that Jesus has told us can bring us peace. And basically everything Jesus told us can give peace. And really everything in the Bible is from Jesus. Jesus is God. So basically the whole Bible are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I've told you these things, all these things I've told you, I've told you so that you can have peace in me. Even though the trials and sorrows of this life will try to steal your peace, Jesus says, I've overcome those so you can have peace in me. So let's listen and apply what Jesus has to say in order to experience his peace within ourselves, but also so that we can experience peace with each other. We don't always have the same opinion, do we? We don't always agree. Even in the church, we don't always agree. Even our Brookwood leadership doesn't always agree. So how do we apply the Bible so that we can have peace with one another? For example, when Brookwood stopped meeting on site for a while in March when this uh, virus started becoming more uh, public, we were seeking God as to what we should do about meeting on site again and what that should look like. And of course, we were hearing many various opinions about what we should do, and we still hear a lot of opinions about what we should do. So we prayed and we sought to apply God's word as to what do we do in this situation? Because there were so many different opinions, so many different thoughts and feelings. How can we be at peace with each other and come together. And as we read God's word, we recognize that there are a couple of things that God wants us to value. And one is he wants us to value caring for each other, caring for others, to be considerate of each other's needs and be considerate of what will help others pursue a relationship with Jesus. Romans 14, 21 uh, says this. This is a verse that Perry used in the beginning of that time says, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. So these are things that were okay to do, but it says, consider what's going to help someone else pursue a relationship with Jesus or consider what might hinder them pursuing a relationship with Jesus. And then Ephesians 5.21 says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. Consider others' needs as more important than your own. So as we dealt with the situation where local and state medical officials were recommending that we not have large gatherings and we take precautions to deter the spread of the virus, we felt a need to express care for others who are susceptible to this virus or, or who care for others in their family who are susceptible to the virus. And also we wanted to consider how are our actions gonna express care to our community? Now, if that's all we considered, we still wouldn't be meeting on site. But we continued to search the scripture and God's word also guides us to value gathering in person. Hebrews 10.25 says, let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. 
So not only do we want to express care for those concerned about the virus, but we realize we also want to trust God to take care of us as we gather in person. So even though this verse was written primarily to people who were gathering in churches and homes, it still communicates the value of coming together to encourage one another. So as we looked at God's Word together and as we sought to be in harmony, we decided to start meeting in person again, obviously. But we also decided we want to express care for each other by exercising some precautions. So obviously we have family groupings sitting uh, six feet apart. Uh, We required our staff and volunteers to wear face masks and we requested that those attended, attending would wear face masks in cooperation with our brothers and sisters who are in the medical field. And we'll continue to offer services and resources online so that we can have a touch and keep connected with those who are concerned about being in crowds. So we're considering lots of different people's needs, but also considering God's guidance to come back together. And so we sought the Bible for guidance on how to experience peace within ourselves and with each other in the midst of so many different thoughts and opinions. Now, obviously, there are Bible-believing churches who are doing things different than us. And there are people within our body who would do things different than the way we are. But we seek harmony, we seek peace, even as we seek Scripture in guiding our thoughts and our decisions. And then when we see our fellow believers acting contrary to Scripture, which is a different matter, then that's also a step we can take in peace. That's the C. The C is confront with care. Confront with care. The Bible gives some guidance on how to confront one another with care. Galatians 6.1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Key words there, gently and humbly help. If someone who's a believer in Jesus has strayed from Scripture in their behavior or even used Scripture to to tear down rather than to promote peace or, or harmony, let's gently and humbly Help that person back onto the right path. Now, I'm not talking about lobbing darts at them on social media. I'm talking about a caring conversation. And as we have that caring conversation, let's consider what is essential that we agree on and what's not essential. I'll give you a newsflash. It is not essential that we all agree on whether you have to wear a face mask or not. That's not essential. Now, certainly we want to promote caring for others, but that's not an issue that we have to agree on. Though I may express care by wearing a face mask, some of you may express care by not wearing a face mask. So we don't have to agree on that. However, it is essential that we agree on treating one another with dignity, treating all people with dignity. So if we see someone treating someone else unfairly, 
or treating someone as less than because of the color of their skin or because of their background or because they have a different opinion than us, if we see someone treating another person unfairly, that's a time for us to confront, but in a kind, caring manner. Racism is a topic that's been uh, at the forefront lately, and racism goes against one of our key values here at Brookwood and one of the key values of Scripture, the value of dignity for all, because God created all people in His image, and Jesus died for all people. So it's not acceptable. Racism is not acceptable in our community. It's not acceptable in our church. But as we deal with each other on that issue or any other issue, let's do so with care. Let's do so with love. Let's do so with submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then as we confront, we lead people back toward Jesus. We lead people back toward Scripture. We lead people back toward harmony. And as we acknowledge our differences and our uniqueness, that leads us to the E, embrace diverse believers as family. Embrace diverse believers as family. Now, when I say embrace today, obviously today I'm not talking about hugging, though I'm looking forward to getting back to hugging. But I'm saying let's, let's, let's treat one another, other believers, as family. Let's, let's hold on to them as family, those with diverse opinions, those with diverse backgrounds, those with diverse skin color, those with diverse languages, diverse ways of looking at things. Followers of Christ are family. We're family. And we hold on to family even though we have different opinions. Ephesians 2.14 says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Jesus not only gives us peace within, Christ has brought peace among us. All these diverse people and thoughts, he's brought peace among us. It's Jesus who died for us and brings us peace, who unites us and who gives us a new identity, the identity of children of God. Galatians 3 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who've been unified, you all have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, no longer slave or free, no longer male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what unites us is not that we all agree. What unites us is not our opinions, it's not our backgrounds. What unites us is our faith in Jesus Christ. So whether you're black or Asian or Hispanic or Indian or white, whether you speak English or Spanish or Portuguese or German or French, or sign language, whether you wear a mask, you wear no mask, whether you go to church on site or go online, whether you're Democrat or Republican, none of those things are what unite us. None of those things are our primary identity. 
What matters is our faith in Jesus, and that is what identifies us as children of God, as part of a family. There's no benefit in focusing on what divides us. Galatians 5, verse 6, and this is our key verse today. It says, for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What's important is faith, faith in Jesus, expressing itself in love. What's important is faith in Jesus, expressing itself in love. Now, the background of this verse comes from the Old Testament law, which taught the Jewish people that uh, the male babies were to be circumcised on the eighth day. Circumcision was a mark of a man who followed God, who was dedicated to God. And it was something that was good for them. God said, this is good for you. This is healthy for you. It's something God wanted men to do and something that was good for them. However, the Gentiles who were coming to Christ in the New Testament were a little concerned about that requirement. And the leaders of the early church said, we're not going to force the believers who are not Jews, those who are Gentiles, we're not going to force them to be circumcised. We're not going to force them to follow this requirement. Even though it's a good requirement, we're not going to force them to do it. Because what matters is faith in Jesus expressing itself in love. There's lots of things that we might say as believers in Jesus. Everybody who's here coming to Brookwood and following Christ should do this, should take this step. But what matters is faith in Jesus expressing itself in love. We don't necessarily all have to agree on every issue, and that's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of being part of a family. There's some things that are essential that we agree on, but there's a lot of things that are not essential. I've had some conversations with many of you about our processes for gathering on site during this season. Many of you have shared your thoughts and concerns and, and feelings about what should happen and what, what we should do about uh, what's going on with this virus and other issues in our country. And there's been some conversation where I've tried to explain why we're doing what we're doing, and even some conversations where I've tried to justify that what we're doing at Brookwood is the right thing to do. And I apologize for that. And after one particular conversation that I didn't think went as well as I'd hoped, I was, I was feeling a little, a little funky. I was feeling like we didn't end that conversation well. And so I was asking God what he wanted me to know. God, what do you want me to know? And this is what I sensed in my mind. It's not every day that God speaks directly in my mind, but it's becoming more often. And I sensed God saying this in my mind. I sensed him saying, I don't need for you to prove that you're right to everybody. I don't need for you to get your way. I've called you to love people. 
That was so significant to me, I'm gonna say it again. I sense God saying, I don't need for you to prove that you're right to everybody. I don't need for you to get your way. I've called you to love people. What's important is faith in Jesus. We don't compromise that. Expressing itself in love, in care, in submission to one another. So the best way we can promote an atmosphere of peace here at Brookwood and in our community and in our world is to aim for pursuing a relationship with Jesus and aim for helping others grow their relationship with Jesus. So that brings us to the aim for our Brookwood ministry plan for the coming church year. And our church year starts October 1st. So we want to be clear about that and share that with you. You can find a printable version of our proposed ministry plan on the Brookwood Church app. It's right on the front uh, screen of the app, or you can find it at brookwoodchurch.org slash ministry plan. But I'll also show, you, show it to you on the screens uh, in just a few minutes, or I'll take just a few minutes to do that. If you view that ministry plan, you'll see that our overall aim continues to be to pursue a relationship with Jesus. Why do we do that? So that everyone can experience transform life, the life that comes with being transformed by Jesus. And what does that life look like? It looks like loving God, loving people, and living like Jesus, that, that, that those characteristics are growing. And we use the Brookwood tree to, you know, the leaves of the tree to illustrate what's the fruit that we want to see coming out of us, a love for God, a love for people, a life that looks more and more like Jesus. And our ministry plan promotes three th categories of things we do here to sink the roots of our life into a relationship with Jesus. Again, we use the tree, and there's uh, little roots under there, things we do in order to plant our lives in a relationship with Jesus. We seek to communicate with God, to connect with Christians, and to care for others. Those are the three categories of practices that we do here in order to pursue relationship with Jesus, which is another way of saying the things I've just listed of, of ways that we can promote peace. So all of our ministries promote those three C's of pursuing a relationship with God. And I'm gonna briefly go through those five focus areas of ministry at Brookwood. One, our worship ministry provides an atmosphere where we can communicate with God through uh, praise, through Bible teaching, through prayer. And our worship ministry enhances that experience both on site and online. Second, our adult discipleship ministry uh, helps those 18 and older connect with other Christians in groups or one-on-one -on -one or in events with men, women, young adults, or through programs like Essentials, which review the basics of Christianity, to encourage and engage with one another to pursue relationship with Jesus. And our recreation ministry also helps connect us with other Christians of all ages. Third, our family ministry works with those 18 and under to connect them with other Christians in groups and with a leader who can help them do all three C's of pursuing a relationship with Jesus. And things like our large group and small group ministries on Sunday morning with children and students, large events 
like Adventure Week for children, uh, One Camp for students, and other activities throughout the year. Our care ministry helps us care for others who are part of Brookwood by serving alongside people through support groups, through one-on-one counseling, through prayer ministries. Uh, They give practical help through our financial care ministry, uh, through our Pass It Forward teams. Uh, They have large groups like Re-Engage for marriages and Celebrate Recovery for those with hurts or habits or hang-ups. Our Serve Ministry helps connect people with ways to serve and also helps us connect with people on-site and online. And then fifth, our Outreach and Missions Ministry helps us care for others in our community and around the world by serving alongside people and sharing the good news of Jesus through service projects, through mission trips, and partnerships with ministries and pastors around the world. So as we planned for the coming years, all these ministries planned, we considered how we're going to carry out our groups and ministry activities while social distancing, whether we'll do those ministries online or on site, and we're still, you know, every week uh, dealing with how we're going to do that. And so we've made plans Uh, for all that, how to do it social distancing and how to do it when uh, we don't have to social distance. We also understand that it's a difficult time financially for everyone. And many folks aren't able to give what they would normally give. And with the lower on-site attendance on Sundays, we're not receiving as much in the offering as we normally have. So as we consider the fact that our giving since March has been running about 80% of our current budget, we prayed about How can we do our ministries? How can we keep helping people pursue a relationship with Jesus, but do it with less money in the coming year? And so the total proposed budget for next year's ministry plan is $7,221,636. So that's for the the next church year. Now that may seem like a lot of money, but it's $400,000 less than our current uh, budget because we've taken some steps to decrease expenses in the coming year. So some steps we want you to know we've taken. Every ministry has reduced their planned expenses for the next year. Our staff and ministry teams have worked very hard to uh, you know, reduce what they spend, to, but to continue to carry out most of our programs. Uh, also this year, we're, we're giving no raises or bonuses in the coming church year. And then third, We've committed to prioritize what's necessary. As we go through the year, uh, we think that everything we do here is beneficial, but there may be days where we have to say, well, that's beneficial, but it's not necessary. And so we're committed to prioritizing what's necessary. And so basically, what are we prioritizing? We want to continue, one, helping people pursue a relationship with Jesus. That's going to be at the forefront of our mind and everything that we do here. How can we help people further their faith in Jesus Christ. Second, we want to support our mission partners. Uh, We have planned to not reduce any of our giving to our mission partners around the world. We've budgeted to keep giving to them at the same level we've been giving to them this year. And then third, we want to keep paying our employees. So that's an overview of what we plan to do in the coming church year. And there's, there's a lot of details that I left out. And we'll do this while continuing to seek God as to how he wants that to happen with limited funds. And we're trusting him for that. 
But if you'd like to know more details about the ministry plan, what's planned for the coming church year, you can come to the ministry plan Q&A session that happens next Sunday at 2 o'clock in Pi, just out these doors. And you can ask questions. We'll give you all the detail you want. Or you can email or call the church office, and we'll do our best to answer your questions. And you can also view our latest financial update at brookwoodchurch.org give. And then we'll vote on this ministry plan uh, in two weeks on Sunday, September 27th at the end of each worship service. So we have our target to aim for. It's still pursuing a relationship with Jesus. That's our target. The atmosphere we want to promote is an atmosphere of peace. But if we aim for our target, growing a relationship with Jesus, then an atmosphere of peace will naturally happen. So this coming year, my challenge to each of us, myself and to all of us, is to ask God, God, what step can I take to aim toward Jesus, to take a a further step in my relationship with him? So we'll try to make it simple. You can pursue your relationship with Jesus by taking a step to communicate with God, to connect with other Christians, and to care for others. And we've provided a commitment section in the ministry plan. You see it on the screen, but that's also uh, online. It's a commitment section where you can pick the steps you'd like to take to grow your relationship with Jesus this year. And I encourage you to review those options and ask God what step he wants you to take and also ask God what he wants you to give to support his work through Brookwood. So together, let's aim for Jesus and let's trust him to give us an atmosphere of peace in ourselves and with each other. Because what matters is faith in Jesus expressing itself in love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the the peace we can find and experience as we just sense your voice, as we sense your love for us. Father, if there are those who have not started a relationship with you, who, who are not familiar with Jesus, Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak in their minds of your love for them and how you sent your son Jesus to die for them so that they could have eternal life with you. And Lord, I pray today that we would sense the step you want us to take to increase our faith in you, to trust you. And we thank you for the peace that you'll bring in us and among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so you can experience transformed life. One of the ways you can do that is by getting connected at Brookwood. Email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326 to get in contact with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood Church app. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.